Alexa, do my homework. Voice-enabled technology has arrived and is becoming a bigger part of our daily lives. Where is this technology going? What are the implications for industry, education, and at home? How do you get in on its ground floor, and why should we care? If you have the Amazon app, you can say, Alexa, play Emerson College Radio, and it will play WERS, our college radio station. This is Campus on the Common, the podcast of bright ideas from Emerson College's School of Communication. Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, I'm your host, Emerson College alumnus and professor of communication studies, Mark Brody. In this episode of Campus on the Common, we'll talk with Emerson Launch's Sanjay Poulton about voice technology at Emerson College. Sanjay Poulton, welcome to Campus on the Common. Thank you very much, Mark. It's nice to be here. Now, you're the director of Emerson Launch. What exactly is that? Emerson Launch is our school's uh, Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. Uh, And what we do is we work with our students who have a startup idea and help them take that seed of a startup idea and form a real company. Uh, And we do that uh, through four ways. One, we have uh, some co-working space. We're located at 160 Boylston Street. So uh, it's a co-working space where students and their startup teams can come and work. We also provide a little bit of funding for uh, aspiring entrepreneurs to get their uh, ventures off the ground. Third, we have a set of mentors who work with aspiring entrepreneurs to help them think through their product, their uh, company, and how to really get it and launch it and scale it in the real world. And then the fourth is we have a structured methodology, what we call a startup boot camp, that we run the students through in roughly a 12-week process in the spring. It, uh, this semester, it's starting in February, and the students are able to kind of take the boot camp and through that, uh, again, take their idea from just a seed and into a, into a real company. So that's what Launch does and the mission of Launch at uh, Emerson College. So essentially, it's a college-oriented incubator, if you will. Exactly. Right. So uh, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. It's an accelerator, and uh, every college has one of these today, Harvard, Stanford, Babson, BU, because we're in this age of entrepreneurship. Uh, entrepreneurship is this, you know, this renaissance where nobody wants to go work for a traditional company such as IBM, and everybody wants to uh, do their own thing and start their own thing. What's really interesting for Emerson is our students, just by virtue of their DNA and, and character, uh, are, are independent creatives. And so it fits quite nicely into us uh, helping our students really kind of create their own career paths rather than uh, fitting into the, the traditional career paths. You know, with it, it's been my observation, having come from the technology world and having once worked in an agency that represented IBM, it's much better to take a creative that thinks out of the box. And if they need to push them to work within that box, then try to take somebody who's always worked within the box and try to make them think out of the box. They just can't do it. You have to have that creative spirit, and that's one thing we excel with here exactly. at Emerson College. Yes. So with Launch, could you talk about or tell us about some of the projects you have going on over there? Yes. So uh, we have kind of three macro pillars. One is uh, what I just mentioned, kind of our whole startup boot camp, helping students uh, start their companies. That's kind of one piece. The second piece kind of focused on innovation is bringing outside ideas uh, into our environment. And so we do that through what's called a, a monthly speaker series. And so we invite speakers, not just from the outside. Frankly, this semester, we've uh, this year, we've been doing it primarily with Emerson professors who uh, are are working out there and bringing uh, ideas into the classroom. So so we have a monthly speaker series. Uh, this year we've had people like Thomas Vogel come and talk about creativity. We've had uh, David Gerzoff come and talk about PR. 
Uh, we're going to have David Dahl talk about reinventing the globe. Uh, we have Bob Lyons coming and talking about AI and machine learning and music. So all kinds of innovative topics and ideas that are happening out in the real world, if you will. Uh, and we try and bring those ideas into campus just to uh, learn and to introduce our community to what's happening. Uh, uh, but all focus on communication and arts uh, and, and innovation around that. But also add in that third dimension that bridges the gap between the classroom and the real world. It sounds like, you know, just by bringing in those speakers and the outside speakers as well that have real-world experience, now you're exposing the students and the Emerson community that's part of your organization to what's going on outside. How do we take those lessons that we generate in the class and how do we apply them? At the same time, let's talk to some of the folks that are actually doing it and how we can observe what they're all about and how we can be part of that world. I think that's fantastic. Yes, that's exactly it. And, and then the third pillar that we are all about is uh, voice at Emerson, uh, and that's really kind of our initiative to help Emerson College take a leadership role in this new voice-first era. Uh, so this new voice-first era is upon us, and uh, we have a fantastic opportunity to lead, and so we've laid a strong foundation in order to do that, uh, and, and that falls under this kind of large macro voice at Emerson umbrella. So what exactly is voice at, at Emerson? Right. So the, the, the premise here is that the world's moving from uh, a mobile world to a voice-first world. If you look at kind of where communication has come, it started in voice, then it moved to print with the Gutenberg Press, then it moved to TV, uh, or actually radio, then TV, then web, and then mobile. And so what's happening now is that there's this huge voice era that's upon us, and the world is actually moving back to spoken words. So when I, what, I talk, what, I, what we mean here in voice is uh, voice technology uh, encompassing things like smart speakers, so uh, Amazon Alexa, Google Home and Google Actions, uh, Samsung Bixby, and Microsoft Cortona. So the same kind of large tech platforms are are battling for supremacy in this next world. And so the, uh, our community, I'm sure, are familiar with smart speakers, but, but it goes beyond just smart speakers. Uh, today you have smart-enabled cars where you can turn on the windshield wiper or the lights by using uh, your voice rather than uh, hand. Uh, you've got um, smart-enabled homes where you can turn on your lights or your thermostat or your oven by using voice. And so we can see this voice-first world uh, arising and, 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 and is really kind of here today. What's really interesting for us, though, is that we started as a school of oratory. And if you remember, Charles Wesley Emerson's main thesis is about the next evolution of expression. So what's really fantastic is that the, we started as a school of oratory and the world's moving back to spoken word. And so we really have an opportunity to kind of lead, this, uh, lead the way in this, in this new world, if you will. The last thing I'll say in, is that as we started to get into this world, we realized that the real unique and differentiated skills in this world are going to be all the communication and art skills that, that we are all experts in. So in the last 10 to 20 years, you know, coding has become clearly important. There are all these boot camps teaching kids and children and everybody to code. And, and coding, you know, it clearly is important. But, but in this next world, a lot of the coding is going to be done by the AI, artificial intelligence intelligence or the machines. And so what's actually going to be really interesting and important and critical are the communication and art skills. So things like marketing, uh, speech, linguistics, storytelling, 
um, all of these things uh, that that we are experts in is going to be kind of the critical skill in this world. So so if you look at those three points, it's a really great opportunity for us to, as I say, kind of lead the conversation in this next era. You know, looking at that last point, when we look at technology and how in the past that's always been the bottleneck, it sounds it sounds like what you're talking about is the democratization of technology, that the only limitation with AI and these other elements to do the coding, the only limitation after that becomes your own imagination and or skills within communications. Is that an accurate portrayal of the situation or the future at least? Yes, yes it is. So, uh, you know, 30 years ago when, when, I, when I was in the Valley, uh, you know, tech was really about... So when you say uh, the Valley... Yeah. I mean Silicon Valley. Okay. Yes, and so um, 30 years ago when you looked at the entrepreneurial scene, it was mostly around um, semiconductor equipment, networking equipment, hardcore electrical engineering gear. Now if you, so the companies that were started in that era are companies like Intel, uh, Microsoft, Apple, like hardcore engineering. If you look at the last few years though, a lot of the com- tech companies today are companies that have just used technology to uh, build a better user experience. So companies like uh, Uber or companies like Airbnb, there's not a whole lot of uh, really complicated tech there, but they've built companies on top of the iPhone platform by using uh, mobile and the better user experience, you can call a, a taxi, right? And, and improve the the old taxi hailing experience or Airbnb, it used to be really complicated to figure out where to live or it was super expensive to live in hotels. And so um, they, they've layered on top of that a better user experience, a better design, a better creative look and created massive companies around that. So. So that that has changed. Uh, and that's one thing that's changed in entrepreneurship and in the startup world. And and then secondly, to your point, when you think about voice, it's it's all going to be a conversation with you and the assistant. And so that whole conversation has to be scripted. Uh, and so that's where a lot of our majors come in. What, what I found really interesting is, uh, you know, when you, you call an IVR or if you look at like traditional uh, script writing. So when you say IVR. I mean, uh, interactive voice response. So when you oh, that IVR. Yes. <laughs> so when you uh, you know you call the uh, airline and you're just, you know trying to fa- or you call the telephone company and you're trying to get an answer to your bill, you're you're in an IVR type of system and it's an automated system. Well, somebody's led to write the script and the flows for all of that that conversation, and that's what's going to happen in this voice first world. Somebody has to sit and think about all the permutations and and write the conversation and. What, what I found really interesting is they're telling me that our speech writers and our script writers um, that are trained in that are perfect for this world because that's the type of skill set that you need. The last thing I'll say is, you know, we just updated our website, emersonlaunch.org, and it was done by non-coders. I mean, things like Squarespace, you don't need any kind of technical expertise. Really, the value is in these creative and design expertise and the communication. That was really like thinking about the, the look and feel of the site, the design and aesthetics of the site, and then actually writing the content was all, well, that was all that was necessary. Uh, myself and uh, launch assistants who were non-technical uh, uh, built a website with with no technical expertise. So just you know, kind of give you an idea of of uh, where we are in kind of the the, the startup startup world. Uh, you know, the the leveraging of technology and the importance of communication, arts, and design. And I think that's a key point: is the, the leveraging of technology. From what it sounds like, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what you folks are all about is understanding the ecosystem of voice might not have to know how to actually code, but you need to understand the capabilities that are that are part of that technology. 
Then add your own creativity. How do we take these capabilities? How do we take these potentials? And how do we either monetize them or find an application to solve a problem? No, that's that's exactly it. And actually, that kind of helps. Uh, it's a nice segue to kind of what we did. Once we saw this vision over the last year and a half, you know, we, we have laid a nice foundation. We started by getting smart, uh, as I call it. And getting smart means, you know, we invited speakers from Amazon and, and Google and uh and Apple to come and talk about voice technology, talk about Siri, talk about Alexa, and, and really kind of understand understand the technology. We started there. Then with our students, we held hackathons. We called them voice hackathons, where we brainstormed how we could use voice in a campus setting. And what we found is actually you can use voice to engage with students prior to them even being students, number one, clearly while they're students, number two, and then even after uh, they're students. And so we have this, you know, this uh, life cycle of engagement and we can use voice um, to engage and touch, uh, touch our community uh, all along the way. Could you give examples of how that would manifest? Sure. So we started with uh, actually uh, how we could use it in a campus setting. And so the first thing we did is we created, uh, uh, well, well, the first thing we did is actually create uh, an official voice uh, app in the Amazon ecosystem. They're called Skills. Uh, we created an Amazon uh, Alexa skill called Emerson College Radio. So we're one of the few colleges in the world that has a college-run radio station. If you look at smart speakers today, one of the big uses of smart speakers is playing music. And so we created a skill called Emerson College Radio, where if you have a smart speaker, an Alexa, uh, an Amazon smart speaker, or even on your phone, if you have the Amazon app, you can say, Alexa, play Emerson College Radio, and it will play WERS, our college radio station. So just a simple use case, but leveraging you know, our DNA with, with our own student-run radio station. The second thing we did is we built uh, a, a larger uh, skill called Emerson M, we did this in conjunction with the students where we brainstormed about a thousand questions uh, with answers uh, and then we built this skill uh, where it, it basically the thousand questions buckets uh, into three uh, areas. One, uh, what's happening on campus today? Uh, two, frequently asked questions like when's the last day to drop class? And then three, locations like where, where's Mark Brody's office? Um, and so we've launched this skill, it's, it's, and we launched it last year at Communication Days, where, again, if you have a, a phone or you have a, a, a smart speaker, you can ask uh, things like what's happening on campus today, and all of the events will, will come back to you. So you don't have to go to the web uh, to actually look it up. You can just speak to it uh, and, 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 and get those results. The other thing I'll say is I think just to give give you an idea and our speakers an idea of of the things that that can be used, uh, you know, uh, Dunkin' Donuts has a, has a voice app. So on or Starbucks has a voice app. So on my way out the door, I can say, you know, order my uh, caramel macchiato. Uh, it, it's tied to my uh, my account and credit information, and I drive to the. Uh, the, the location and I can pick it up. So, you know, I don't have to go into the app. I don't have to actually manually do anything. I don't have to use the telephone to call in. I don't have to wait in line. So, you know, different brands and, and different uh, organizations are, are uh, really kind of brainstorming different use cases for voice. That's amazing. I had no idea, and, and now I anticipate my caffeine take to quadruple. <laughs> yes, it, it does make it easier, yes. I, I have a, a son who, um, uh, he's in high school, and every day he make, places his order on the way out and, and then picks it up you know, and uh, bypasses the line. 
That's fantastic. I, I'm looking forward to trying this out. Now, are these technologies used in the classroom yet? Yes, great question. So then, actually, we, we're pioneering it at, at Emerson. So uh, great question. We, after we initially got into voice and, and, and rolled out the uh, college radio skill and Emerson M, we started to think about how we could use voice in a classroom setting to improve learning. Uh, and actually, it was Professor Maria Scott and Professor Mohammed Khalil, uh, both of uh, communication uh, studies, uh, who helped us concept this idea of using voice as a study aid. And actually, we came up with this concept here called Voicelets. It's Quizlet for voice. So uh, probably most of the students and maybe our community is familiar with Quizlet, which is an online web-based study study guide. Well, we at Emerson have created this concept called Voicelets, which is voice-enabled study guides. Um, and what we did is we we partnered with uh, with a company to help us build a prototype, uh, and then. Um, uh, uh, Maria actually started uh, last year in her PR basics class where she created a number of study guides and these have formats like true false, multiple choice, flashcards. She created the questions and the answers uh, and then deployed them to her students and her students could use these voicelets to study and they could use them to study clearly at home if they have a smart speaker or again on their phone and and interestingly what we found is a lot of students were using it on the T so you've got your phone and you've got your earbud in and and uh, Alexa is asking you the question for the, the, the quiz and they're answering out loud, out loud uh, either while walking through the common or, or on the T and, and, and that class found great value that it helped them learn and help them study. Uh, and so this semester and this year, we're actually deploying it across uh, 10 professors uh, who are then you know, using it in class. And, and the whole point is to test our hypothesis that auditory learning has a place uh, to improve student outcomes and student learning. I also love the three-dimensional approach to education. So we've got classroom, we've got you know the student homework, but now we've got that voice exchange, if you will, where the student can go out and apply Quizlets, voicelets, what have you, in yes. order to really hammer out their, their knowledge base and their understanding. Yes, exactly. Now, to set that up from the professor's perspective, they would come up with a quiz, whether it's true, false, or does it also work with uh, you know multiple choice? It does. There's multiple formats: true, false, multiple choice, flashcards, and even like reading comprehension is being built. So there are different formats that they can use. And actually, most of the teachers already have these quizzes all uh, built already uh, in their classes. So then they're if we're able to kind of take that that learning and that work that's already been done and voiceify it, if you will, uh, and then deploy it to a class. So for example, Jane Pierce in is and and her. Uh, uh, CC100 uh, sections used it last semester. They already had a very structured set of a company guide, accompanying guides, if you will, uh, that we then voiceified and, and, and provided to our students to, um, to to study and learn. This is fantastic. We'll be talking after. I think I need to apply this to a few of my classes. Be happy to. Happy to. My assumption, and please correct me, is that it works best in situations where there is a, a firm answer, either a yes, no, or a multiple choice. In terms of long answer, paragraph, things like that, 
is there any application for voicelets there? Yes, great question. So today, uh, again, if you look at kind of the, the technology adoption curve on voice, it's early. So yes, today something very simple where it's a very structured question works a lot better than an open-ended reading, reading comprehension question. But all of these large platforms are using and working with AI so that one day we'll be able to have kind of a 30-minute back and forth conversation with a, with a virtual assistant. Uh, and that assistant will be able to understand what I'm asking and uh, and respond on the fly, if you will. Today we're not there yet, and it's it's much more, you know it's much more structured. Where there's a question, you know, what uh, what is the capital of the United States? Um, a, B, C, or D. The person answers, and there's a very simple yes or no answer, or a very simple true false. There's only one answer, uh, where there's no. There's no opportunity for ambiguity or, or to, to respond on the fly. But, you know, the, the world is going to get there in our lifetime where we'll be able to have a very simple conversations with, with, the, um, with, with these uh, voice assistants. Uh, going back to my comment earlier about IVR with, with the telephone um, uh, directory or uh, the airline, you can envision a conversation where, again, you, you can have that conversation, rebook your flight or change your seat or do any of these things with, uh, with an intelligent uh, voice assistant. That's amazing. Now, if a student and or faculty are interested in learning more about this and getting involved with this, what, what's the first step? Where do they go? Well, they could, if they could just email us, we, uh, we're always looking for um, faculty and, and staff to, to partner with us on this. If, if they think this is compelling and, and uh, they would like to help us uh, prove it out, uh, just get in touch with us and we can kind of figure out um, uh, a mechanism for how we can engage. Mm -hmm. and, and I think if I can say, I think that's the, that's the, the, the true point here is, you know, uh, at, at Emerson, we saw this opportunity to, to be a leader. So we're the first college in the world who is leading the way in terms of voice-enabled study guides and study aids. Uh, so we're pretty proud of that. Um, the Googles and Amazons and, and large tech companies have, have told us so. Uh, but what we're trying to do here is prove to the world that there is a place for auditory learning. So, and uh, what I mean by that is, you know, our hypothesis is that clearly there are segments where auditory learning is going to help, you know, um, people like visually impaired, English language learners, uh, those with uh, reading disabilities or learning disabilities. And after that, even more broadly, uh, people who like multimodality. So uh, in addition to reading, it's reinforcing by me learning to study. And so my point is, you know, we have this large vision of proving this hypothesis. And that's why we're, we're doing it, because, uh, you know, it, it allows us to kind of, you know, achieve our mission of, of helping, helping students learn and, and finding ways to leverage technology for, for better teaching and better learning. Let's take a look at the student's perspective of all of this. So somebody hears this podcast and they say, wow, that's cool. i got to talk to Sanjay. So they, they walk on over to launch. Are you looking for any specific type of skill set? I mean, what, is the, what does a student look like who's involved with this program? And what I mean by that in terms of skills and, and interest, creativity, you know, could give me some kind of profile or, you know, who, who usually succeeds in this? And I'd like to follow up with once people understand this ecosystem, how, the, how to work with voice and voiceless, et cetera, what's the future look like for them as well? Absolutely. So, well, actually, as I mentioned earlier, it really it, it, uh, our entire student body population fits really quite nicely into this. We, you know, I think the skill set that's valued are, and, and it's important are uh, those who can think critically, those who can communicate, who are creative and, and artistic and interested in seeing where the future is going. 
Uh, I think if you have those types of characteristics, you'll you'll be fine. Where you can come and work with us, understand where this world is moving, and and there are kind of multiple uh, ways of 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 getting involved. Um, on that, actually, we have kind of four pillars. Uh, they, we call them the four E's. Uh, one is around experiences. So I mentioned earlier about the skills that we've deployed. And so we're continuing to, to work with um, our community, with our students on how we could leverage voice um, uh, in, 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 a, in an educational setting. Uh, the second E is around uh, education. So um, that goes back to the point about voicelets and uh, also we're just launching, actually, in February, uh, the world's first voice design certificate. Uh, so you asked me, where's the world going? Just as when mobile arose, there was this whole economy of uh, mobile companies, um, mobile startups. If you, Again, as I mentioned, Uber or Airbnb couldn't exist. Uber definitely couldn't exist without a mobile phone. Um, and then there was this whole uh, need for mobile uh, designers. Well, just like that, in this world, there's going to be a whole need for voice designers. And so we're launching a voice design certificate to train not just our students, but the uh, larger society to become voice designers. And so to, to your point about where's the world going, this is going to become a huge career path for any of our students to, to go in, and work in, in these industries as well. So that's kind of the second E. Uh, the third E is around um, entrepreneurship, spurring voice entrepreneurship. And then the fourth E is around ethics. And I don't think, I think we'd be remiss by talking about voice and AI without talking about some of the concerns around ethic, ethical use of data, uh, these uh, uh, could be seen as listening devices, what information is being collected by these tech companies, uh, what are they doing with it. And so that's another piece where we are uh, actively driving the conversation to develop a voice code of ethics so that um, as this world arises that there's uh, voice and AI are used in an ethical manner and, and, uh, and for good. One of the concerns I've always had with Alexa and Siri and these others is the is the worry that they're listening to what I'm saying. What's the current state of privacy in terms of voice? There, uh, there are actions that we can take uh, to, um, to, to prevent uh, you know, misuse, if you will. So if there are concerns like those types of things, all of these devices have mute buttons on them. So you can mute them. You can unplug them. All of them have mechanisms where you can delete uh, the, your, your history and your conversation, just, just like the web. Um, and, uh, and, and there are kind of uh, precautions just like on, on the web that, that people can take um, to allay their concerns. Um, you know, with that said, I think there's a spectrum of people, just as you're seeing in this web and mobile economy, where there's, you know, some people that really don't care, and they're willing to um, live a very public uh, uh, life with the understanding that the internet is free, and then in exchange, they're uh, being advertised to and, and being retargeted to. And then there are others at the other end of the spectrum which really are against that, and they use uh, VPNs and private uh, browsers and things of that sort to uh, to maintain their privacy. So I think you'll see the same kind of uh, situation in this voice world where there will be a, a spectrum of uh, segment of people, and uh, each person will need to kind of uh, manage appropriately. So with that, is voice a biometric? And what I mean by that is our fingerprints are a biometric. Our iris is like an eye scan. That's a biometric. Mm -hmm. uh, recently, while talking to a bank, they said, you know, your voice will be recorded. Mm -hmm. As I th think they also said, and we'll, we'll match your voice to make sure we're talking to the real person. Yes. Is that, is that a one-off, or is this becoming more common where our voice is actually 
a human metric that's measured and analyzed to identify people. It, it, uh, I'm not the expert in it, but my sense is that it is a biometric and it is on that way where each of us has a unique voice and, and you will be able, they will be able to make identification through, through, uh, through that. And, and uh, similar to our, the conversation we just had, it, there's good and bad in that. Uh, you know, there's, there's danger and, and worry in that if it's misused. Um, at the same time, there's also good. I've heard of companies where uh, just by the, uh, by the tone of your voice and the intonation of their voice, they can predict whether you're going to get certain types of illnesses or, or sickness. Uh, so, you know, voice being used in a predictive manner to prevent or, or to, to better health and, and to prevent um, uh, uh, poor health. Um, so, you know, again, I think there's always two sides of the coin for, for all this technology. Um, it can always be used for good and bad, and uh, the, the onus is on us to, uh, to do it uh, appropriately. You know, it makes me think when when you're waiting on the phone and you're, you know, hit number five to talk to X, Y, and Z, and you can never seem to find the person you want as fast as you'd want because it's not an intuitive process. If they listen to my tone of voice, perhaps if this technology were available, they could expedite some changes, but I guess we're not there yet. Yes. No, yes. So with our, with our remaining time, could you give our audience three takeaways in terms of what you're doing with, with voicelets? Sure. So uh, before I, I just want to share with you one story, which I think will be compelling. So as we were deploying uh, this voice technology, particularly for learning, uh, one of my friends' uh, sons um, was having difficulty in school. He was having, he's in eighth grade. He was having difficulty in school with the history, with the history class. Um, and he had a, a test the next day. And uh, so my friend actually signed into to Voicelet and created a, a Voicelet for him so that he could study. And this was done late into the night. So uh, on his way to school, on the school bus, he used Voicelet with his phone to study the, the history words. And he aced the test. He aced the test. The teacher emailed my friend proactively saying, I don't know what happened overnight, uh, but Ian, you know, magically overnight um, got it. And got an A on the test, um, you know. And so there's all these metrics, and there's the promise of, of all this technology and all this. But I think a story like that, you know, kind of really makes it real that uh, you know technology and voice could be leveraged for good and and uh, for learning and for for better outcomes. So that that's something that I kind of keep in mind. I, there's lots of numbers around you know voice adoption and and uh, where we are. But I think when you when you hear a story like that, it it makes it kind of real. And no doubt, this is the cutting edge, and it's it's great to see that Emerson College is riding that wave, so to speak. We're right there as as this emerging technology hits the market. We're there to enable our students to understand the ecosystem, to be part of it, to actually be entrepreneurial and create things that will bring them out into the real world as real leaders. That that's just fantastic. And when you look at technology in general and how it's changing our society in general, this is coming. It's you know th this is the reality. So you know. Buckle your seatbelt, folks. This is what's going to happen. Isn't it great that Emerson College is also teaching ethics behind that? Something I think is sorely needed throughout our society. Absolutely. So my soapboxing aside, love to hear three takeaways for our audience. Yeah. If I could just leave the uh, audience with three things, I think it's, it's, I've said it here today, but number one, this voice era is upon us. Uh, number two, uh, we our DNA and our history is in voice. Our, our whole mission statement is to um, 
the next evolution of expression. And number three, which I think is, is, is the third point which coalesces around this, is that in this world, the communications and art skills that we all are experts in and are learning and teaching and studying is going to be the differentiated skill. And uh, so we have this great opportunity as a, as a college and as a community to lead the conversation, and that's exactly what we're doing as, as a community and as a, as, a, as, as a set of individuals together. We spoke with Sanjay Poulton. Sanjay's career began in management consulting and immediately transitioned into digital and mobile marketing and advertising. He's passionate about helping brands engage with customers in impactful ways and scale emerging media and technologies. Having successfully founded a variety of startup companies himself, Sanjay is a driven entrepreneur with specific knowledge of the startup ecosystem. Sanjay first started at Emerson College as an Emerson Launch Mentor and has now taken over the role of director to help infuse creative and problem-solving thinking skills into academia. I'm Emerson College alumnus and Professor of Communication Studies, Mark Brody. We had studio help from executive producer, Lucas Poiser. Campus on the Common is a production of Emerson College School of Communications. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.